Hey, it's Scott Orner, Cruise Consulting, and welcome to another episode of Founders and Friends. And before we start the podcast, let's give a quick shout out to Rippling. Rippling is the new cool payroll tool that we see a lot of startups using. Rippling is great for your traditional HR and payroll. They integrate very nicely. But guess what? They did another thing. They integrate into your IT infrastructure. They make it really easy for when you hire someone to spin up all the web services and their computer, which sounds kind of like not a huge deal. But actually, we did the study at Cruise. We spend $420 on average just getting a new employee's computer up and running and their web service up and running. It's actually a really big deal. It saves a lot of money. And the dogs are eating the dog food. Like We see a lot of startups coming in to Cruise now using Rippling. So please check out Rippling. Great service. We love it. I think we have a podcast with Parker Conrad. You can hear it from his own words, but we're seeing them take market share. So shout out to Rippling. And now to another awesome podcast at Cruise Consulting's Founders and Friends. Thanks. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise. Founders and Friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and Friends with your host, Scotty Ohm. Welcome to Founders of Friends podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And today, my very special guest is Natalie Aurora of Sousa Ventures. Welcome, Natalie. Thanks so much, Scott. Good to be here. Yeah, great to have you. We're both kind of laughing on video here because I knew I'd have a hard time pronouncing Aurora, but I think it did pretty well there. That was pretty good. You crushed it. Ah, awesome. Well, Natalie and I have been friends for a while and we work together. And maybe you can just kind of retrace your career and, and tell us how you got to Sousa Ventures. Sure. So I, I grew up in the rural Midwest in small towns in Illinois and Wisconsin, raised by a single mother and through a lot of grit and hard work and through the power of community, was able to get a full tuition scholarship to college. Wow. I, Where did you go? Uh, so I went to ASU in Arizona. I'd actually never even visited the state of Arizona before I decided to go to school there, but free college uh, was pretty compelling at the time. So yeah. I, there, I studied sustainability and focused on food, which was a, a brand new program there at the time and uh, remains a passion to this day. So with that degree, I moved to San Francisco and dove headfirst into the world of startups in uh, food and food tech in particular. The first company I worked for, EcoScraps, was acquired by a public company the second one, Hampton Creek, now called Just, became a unicorn during my time there. Yeah, I've heard of that company. Yeah. And the third, Juicero, went out of business. Uh, and I stuck around to kind of wind it up, uh, wind it down, I should say. And through all of that, I had experienced a lot of the life cycle of startups and particularly the different outcomes. And with that experience, I started to get really curious about what it could be like to, instead of work on one business and work with one founder, to maybe join a firm, continue to be an operator, and support across a whole portfolio of founders and companies. And that's what led me to SUSE. And I, I'm always envious of your job. I think you actually have a really fun job because you get to have your, it's probably similar to mine where you have like your hands in a lot of pots and you're jumping on whatever's hot or whatever needs to happen and getting it done. But then you still have, you can still look at the, entire portfolio of companies and feel really great about the progress they're all making. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's a really, a really fun job. And a lot of it is around connecting the dots, which is just so fun, just finding ways to plug in different folks, different partners to 
create value and, and just create that unlocking for founders. Yeah. When you were interviewing at SUSE, did you like, it's pretty interesting because a lot of times, so this is a generalization, but a lot of like people who work at venture capital funds tend to have worked at like the unicorn and then they go to the venture capital fund. They're like kind of hot and the company's hot they used to work at and mm -hmm. it's often source deals from the, from the network of people that you worked at the company with. But like you went from, you had the unicorn and then you went to Juicera, which was actually, I still think it's a great idea. I'm not like, I actually really understand the economics of Nespresso and some of these other things. So like, I totally get why it raised so much money. Like, but that's a little bit untraditional, right? Like you, it, the company didn't work out. It's also kind of amazing that you stayed and like you're, you were the one that wound it down. Like that's actually like, I've been involved in that quite a bit. It's actually a super thankless job. Yeah. Like, was that part of your pitch to Sousa? Like, hey, man, I've, I've seen the good and I've seen the bad. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think, I mean, unfortunately, more startups fail than succeed. They just yeah. all fail so publicly and with yeah. much money raised. And so I think it's, it's actually quite common to be a part of a company that didn't work out for some reason or another. And the reality is that can't be the fault of any one person on the team. And we learn so much from those types of experiences. I hope to not have to wind down another company, but you learn so, so many lessons from those experiences. Yeah. Well, also, I think a lot of people don't know this, but venture capitalists actually spend a lot of time on the companies that aren't doing so well. You know, like everyone thinks that if you have a unicorn in your portfolio, that's all you work on. But really, actually, it's the companies that aren't doing so well or doing okay and deserve to keep living that you end up spending a lot of time on. So I, I would imagine like the other folks there probably really value that and really kind of recognize that experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's really cool. And you talked about the growing up in the Midwest and the single mother and and you talked about grit. Like what are, what are some like memories that jump out at you or like how'd you, how'd you make it happen? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So some of it is external, it's learned, it's, it's your surroundings, your environment, and, and some of it is digging deep inside yourself. I think in terms of my surroundings, I certainly had a good example in my mom who worked super hard. She actually got her college degree over the course of probably honestly 10 years of us growing up, awesome. taking classes here and there and hustling it and working at night to make it all happen. And then also teachers. I think we're, of course, extremely acutely aware of the importance of education right now um, in these COVID times. And I'm super grateful that even though I, I lived in a, a small town, 4,000 population, Mauston, Wisconsin, um, that didn't have a lot of resources, but our teachers cared so much and worked so hard for us wrote grant applications, got the oh, resources okay. we needed to um, to help us. And so I feel really grateful to have encouragement from that. And then I think internally, uh, when you don't, and we see this a lot with founders too, when you've had struggles that you've gone through, you have to turn inward and just work super hard and keep your head down until you you change your reality. Yeah. I think that's so, so well said. That's actually why I asked that question because I feel like it probably gives you anyone who starts a business, like a there's a famous saying that almost every entrepreneur says, which is if I would have known how hard this was, I wouldn't have done it in the first place, you know? And like, of course, once you finally start making progress and you get to the finish line, 
you're very happy you did it, but it's, it's a struggle. Like it's hard. And that's why I asked that question. Cause like, do you feel like you can kind of commiserate, but also celebrate the victories with the founders that you're working with? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Go from being the underdog to starting to get some wins. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, so at, at Susan, maybe you can kind of explain your role there and kind of your day to day. I think that would be helpful for the audience. Yeah, absolutely. So at SUSE, and maybe I should explain a bit about us. Um, so we're a, an early stage fund based here in San Francisco. We're on our third seed fund and our first opportunity fund. Um, got a bit over 200 million under management at this point, and we've invested in incredible companies like Robinhood and Flexport and others at the earliest stages. And something unique about SUSE is we really approach venture as family and being super supportive to our companies, being that trusted advisor to them. And we think of venture as um, a flywheel business. So you have to see the best deals. You have to be able to be the top choice to founders to win those deals. Then you have to be meaningful, meaningfully helpful to them yeah. through that, that, that feeds your flywheel. Founders will refer yeah. other founders and, so the better each of each piece of that flywheel becomes and the better we treat people along the way, which is really important, the faster it spends and, and the better your ultimate outcomes are. And so as head of operations, my role is to operationalize best practices and accelerate that flywheel and string the best founder experience. And so to do this, I run both term operations as well as portfolio operations or what people call a platform. I agree with you so much on the flywheel aspect of it. And there's always a really good tell how good a founder's experience with the VC firm was in that when they start their second company, because most entrepreneurs are crazy and they can't help but keep starting companies, do they go back to those same investors to raise money the second time? And that's kind of like the ultimate compliment. Mm -hmm. and you're right about the flywheel. Like I think something we benefit from at cruise is that the founders really have a really strong network and they share best practices. They share who's a good service buyer. They share who a good VC is. So that like word of mouth or digital word of mouth is incredibly powerful. So that's pretty cool that you guys recognize that and you're working to enhance that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and platform is a relatively new function in venture. Um, it wasn't created yesterday. There are definitely some OG people who have been at this for upwards of 10 years, but but fairly new. And, and so that's typically defined as the support and services provided to founders post-investment. And so as more and more funds start up, the deals become really competitive. Platform helps funds differentiate. And up until a few years ago, a platform and a platform team or, or head of operations, someone like myself might have been considered a nice to have, but today it's, it's really become a, a need to have in the market. Yeah. For some context for the audience, like when I was working at Lighthouse and venture lending, we, we were fun too. Like there was no, this platform concept didn't exist. You got the Rolodex of the person who was on your board of directors. That was your platform. <laughs> that was like, if that person knew someone who could help the company, then you got helped. If that person didn't know someone who could help the company, there was no like recruiting team, operations team, 
there's a lot of funds that help make introductions to like bigger customers, like Fortune 500 customers. Like what are some other stuff that kind of that would generally be defined as platform? Yeah, I think those are a lot of the classic categories. There's talent, BD and sales, and community, I think. And I know that that's a little fluffier, but that that really is our flavor of platform, I would say, is community and building out the SUSE family and really finding ways to to create value just by bringing people together. And, and SUSE family, it, it's in encompassing not just SUSE portfolio founders, but that's also our LPs who we turn to sometimes to, to help unlock customers for founders. That's also co-investors um, who we help bring rounds together with. It's, it's the whole ecosystem. And it's people like Cruise, right? It's really great partners and service providers who, who can help companies as well. Well, thank you for that. Appreciate it. It's it's, but it really does take a village to kind of raise a startup and help the startup get where it needs to go. What are some of the platform stuff that you like to focus on? Like you talked about community, is there like specific functions in doing that or specific programs? Yeah, sure. So, on the kind of post investment side, I think there are a few key programs that we run, all of which you are somewhat aware of. Um, so one is annually we put on. Mountain Tech Summit, which is a super unique, one-of-a-kind gathering where we pull together SUSE CEOs as well as great co-investors at all different stages and go to the mountains, typically to Aspen. And yes, they're skiing and they're fun, but there are also content sessions and intimate dinner settings. And it's really just a chance for everyone to unplug from the hustle and grind of the Bay and Silicon Valley and get to know each other as humans around the dinner table, uh, on the ski lifts. And it's really become an amazing signature um, gathering for us. Unfortunately, we had to call it off this year. As you know, I know we we're going to partner with uh, Cruise to bring it to life this year, but we're looking forward to bringing that back. And then on an ongoing basis, we have two key event series that we run. One is through boot camps. Which we've also partnered up on. So these are typically one hour in this current environment webinars where we partner with domain experts to do deep dives into company building topics. This is everything from how to get PR to how to build a sales organization to um, most recently with uh, Cruise and some other partners, uh, a section on debt financing and everything in between and just give our members a chance to plug into some great education to help them build their businesses. And then the second one, um, which is purely on the community side, is our family dinner series. So we bring together intimate groups of founders with a common thread just to have a conversation on what's top of mind, what are things that they want to jam with peers on. And so we get pretty granular on these now that our portfolio is about 110 companies. So We'll bring together, you know, early stage fintech CEOs or uh, early stage SaaS CTOs, and have a really meaningful conversation together. Yeah, and probably the the people, the later stage folks, can help the early stage folks in those conversations, and vice versa. There was also a great story you told me about the Mountain Summit from two or three years ago. We have a client that we work with that's been a SUSE 
uh, client for our company for a long time. And I was like, oh yeah, the C, I don't want to say their name because I don't want to sure. say anything I shouldn't say, but the CEO was telling me how great the event was like three years ago. And so I was, when I first met you, I was telling you about that. And you're like, oh yeah, that CEO, we sat him next to a strategic investor and the strategic led their, led their series B, exactly. you know, which I thought was like the great, like the greatest thing of all time that yeah. and I just, that's representative of the Sousa family. You know, yeah. That, that's kind of how it happens. That was, that's, uh, yeah, it really is representative because it brings home like the relationships and the network, but also like getting to know people on a human level. Cause you know, that CEO, he's a great person yeah. and the kind of person you want to back no matter what. So that's yeah, that's really fantastic. Yeah. And, and talking about like those learning sessions, it's been awesome being a part of those, but I know like one of our team members, Healy Jones uh, did one in person and he was like, at the end, there was like five founders talking to him, asking like amazing questions. So we could tell that they got a lot out of it. So I think that's a real value add. It's, it's super cool you do that. And I also think maybe, cause you talked about things like post-investment, mm -hmm. but I know that you're pretty active before the investment, which I think is a critical thing because like, you know, sometimes people overpromise during the courtship phase of a venture capital to startup founder. Mm -hmm. And so being able to demonstrate what you do even before you have money in the company, I think is a, is a really strong signal. It's like that family signal that like, yeah. Hey, we care about you. We want to invest in you. Even if you don't, we're, even if you don't take our money, we're still going to help you out. Absolutely. And I don't think it has to be big things either. I think the, the devil's in the details in, again, getting back to like how you treat people and how you interact with them. And I totally agree. I think we saw an opportunity as one of our differentiators to really be thoughtful about every touch point, not just after we've written the check, but just being thoughtful humans. And yeah. so a few quick examples of what that looks like and how we've operationalized it. One is before we actually meet with a founder for the first time to hear their pitch, we actually share the SUSE summary with them, which is a one pager that describes our investing thesis, our process, and then details on what we can provide post-investment. I've never heard of that. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really, it's true wow. Me That's that really cool. This isn't more common because the way, yeah. the way I look at it, we expect founders to share their deck with us and give us context on their process. And so we think we should provide some context on PUSA and how we operate going into the conversation. I love it. That's why I had that reaction because it, it is like a, it's like a offensive information grab from the VC and it, it's totally understandable. The venture capitals are trying to make the best decision they possibly can, but it does feel like a lot of like me, me, me sometimes. Mm -hmm. So to do that and extend the olive branch. And also I think it's a pretty strong, I bet you, you get some benefit. And so the founders get some benefit from the signaling aspect of it. Cause like, if they're taking that seriously, if they're reading that document, asking thoughtful questions, it probably shows you that they're engaged. They have the same values that SUSE has. Absolutely. And part of how we decided to develop that in the first place is actually informed by another stage of our process, which is also super interesting. So after we've met with a founder, when we make our decision, if we decide to pass, we send a thoughtful pass email. Very simple concept not very common, I would say. And we 
We think it's really important in general to close the loop, of course, give a yes or no. But we go a step further and our investing team gives very specific feedback on why. And we also include a survey that we ask those founders to fill out to give us feedback on our philosophy. Wow, that's good too. Wow, that's really good. And so one piece of feedback that we we saw a trend in in those survey responses is that there were some instances where we, I'm sure our team forgot to mention our process or, or some details through um, meeting with founders all the time. And so one approach that we had to, to try to solve that is if we always send this ahead of time, of course, we'll verbalize it as well. But if we always send it, it's been provided and um, we've done our part to get that context. And they also just know they don't have to sit there and worry and because there's a lot of anxiety around raising money. So like the founders don't know if they should follow up. Like in those, like the swingers, uh, how many times, like the, how often do you call the date, the girl you want to go out on a date with? Like do you call, do you wait three days? Do you wait four days? Like the founders just don't know and they want to work with you, but they don't want us. They don't know if they're sending a negative signal, if they're reaching out too much or whatever it is. So that's, that's really powerful. Also, you made a point about just like the little things being super important. Mm -hmm. And I agree 100% on that. And I think because I don't know if people like we work with tons of founders and my wife and I have been founders. It's like you are so overwhelmed pretty much all the time. You just kind of like live your life in this overwhelmed, too much going on state of mind. And so having someone who just like even like the littlest things really make a difference and just lighten the load a little bit. It's I think that's really cool that you guys do that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Always looking to get better, but yeah, the survey, the survey thing is, is super smart too. I've never, I don't, don't think I've ever heard of a venture capital firm doing that as well. It's almost like you're bringing like all the best practices of actually running a business to like the venture capital world, which, which of course we sit here and go like, duh, but that's like, you guys are on the forefront of that stuff. So very cool. Uh, the other thing we were going to talk about I, I find, we joked before I turned the mics on that I find this super interesting and fun, but that's probably why I'm doing what I'm doing. You also do like the hardcore operations, like setting up systems and things like that. I mean, do you find that like the founders actually value that and empathize and, and appreciate your work there? Yeah, I think, I think on the firm ops side, it's, it's a lot of in the background work that, Founders wouldn't even necessarily. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But I do think running the business of SUSE, to your point, has a lot of parallels to just running a startup in general. And so through running that business, we learn tips and tricks and best practices that we can then share with them. And I think that also extends to our uh, EA and office manager, Rachel, for example. She does an awesome job running um, our CRM and that workflow and our office and our gifting program and pieces of our onboarding program and all of those learnings we can now share with founders because you're to your point they're doing all of the same things yeah yeah it does like even just being able to be like oh this is my favorite payroll system or this is what I use for CRM or here's my survey tool that we use a survey, like they like that stuff because it just makes their life a little bit easier. Yeah. And you're right, probably the other co your coworkers at SUSE, I'm sure value that. I, I remember at Lighthouse, like it's actually like there's a lot going on and everyone thinks that a venture capital firm is oriented towards deals. And it is at some level, but like 
these type of tools and systems and processes actually really help the company, the firm be successful. Yeah. And I think I feel really fortunate and, um, and that my job is super fun too, because in this role of kind of all encompassing head of operations of the firm, I'm able to do the LP communications and the founder communications and through that, get to know both, figure out how to connect the dots. You know, we recently sent out uh, a blast to our LPs to ask for introductions to customers for one of our portfolio companies where we knew there was a lot of overlap in context. Yeah. And it's just been so fun to bring together those two different stakeholders you know, in the SUSE family and again, find that unlocking. Yeah. I always love the LP, the, the annual meetings and like LP dinners and stuff like that. Cause I mean, the a venture capital fund is made up of like foundations, endowments, people, you know, groups like that that invest a lot of dollars, but there's usually a, a, a class of people who are just investing their own dollars who are high net worth people. Mm -hmm. And those are like my favorite people to sit next to <laughs> at those events. Cause they always have tons of crazy stories and are usually pretty awesome and are a little like, they're usually like slightly wacky, but in a good way, you know? And so I just, I'm sure you have a good time talking to those people. And also you, I'm sure like the work you do with them really makes them feel like they're contributing even in a, in addition to financial mm -hmm. contribution, like that their time and their connections is really valuable. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, um, I think it's fun for them. Yeah, it's, it is. That's really cool. Well, there's also a program that you're launching at SUSE that I'd love to talk about if you have a few, you, you yeah. got a few extra minutes. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. Uh, you want to tell the audience what you're working on? Sure. So this is very early. We're still in the, the building phases of this, but pretty soon we're going to be launching the Venture Fellows Program. And it's a six-month program for aspiring venture investors. There will be curriculum, one-on-one -on -one mentorship with not just SUSE GPs, um, Chad, Leo, Seth, and then also our partner, Courtney, but also top GP, GPs from the top VC firms across the industry. And the idea behind this is that historically, venture capital has been a bit of a black box and it's tough to break in. And so our idea is to build this program in a way to expand access um, to folks who, for some reason or another, don't fit that cookie cutter idea of what a venture capitalist is and where they come from, um, whether it's education or geography, um, socioeconomic background, whatever it may be, and, and give them a shot at it. Well, also, and that's that's amazing. And also, like, you know, people t in venture tend to hire people they know because they're really busy and they don't have a lot of time and they're usually not hiring a lot of people. And so I think what's really cool about this is you're in, you're enhancing the circle or the circle of people that Susa Ventures knows and who have, they, you have access to. And by definition, you should find some really amazing people in there that you wouldn't have found otherwise, which I think is really cool. Absolutely. And that's why I'm glad to share it here. We absolutely have to get the word out to people beyond just our personal networks and um, and our network as a firm because inherently that's that's what changes the access and so hope that there there may be some folks who listen to cruise uh, founders and friends who are looking to to break into venture 
That, that's fantastic. How would they, I know the program isn't like completely set up yet. Like you're still working on it. Yeah. And, and, and we're recording this a couple of weeks ahead of time before it actually launches. So uh, Natalie still has a lot of work to do, I'm sure. But how would, how would someone go about reaching out or, you know, is it, do they go to their website, your website? How should they, they inquire about this? Sure. Um, just go to www.susaventures.com and we will very soon have a tab there for the program and a link. To the yeah. When we're, when this is posted, there will be a tab there, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's really fantastic. Yeah. I think about like how I got into Lighthouse. It was because one of the people I worked for at Hamburg and Quist, JP Morgan was like, that, that was like an old school investment bank in the Valley in San Francisco. They went to Lighthouse. So they called me and I, and I had an interview, I think against like a ton of people, as I'm sure you had to interview against a ton of people to get your job. But like, I definitely had that relationship going into it. And I knew like, otherwise I wouldn't even known the job was available. I would never would have found a posting or anything like that. I just was able to, to, because I knew the right person get a chance, you know? So I think that's really cool that you're building this fellowship. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes those roles aren't ever posted. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's exciting to see. I also think like the stuff that Angelus is doing, yeah. it's, it's so incredible. Like there's a guy I follow the guy who um, runs Gumroad, which is like a checkout experience. You just buy stuff, you know, buy PDS or things like that. And he, he's done pretty well. And he's like, Hey, I'm going to raise an angel list fund pretty soon. Anyone who wants to, you know, like capital is being democratized. Angelus is doing it for people who are not firms or for people who want to get on that road. But I think it's really great that you, like Sue says, starting this fellowship because you're going to democratize the knowledge of how like a professional VC firm runs and what a professional VC firm does and how they look at deals and how they build the network and the community and get that flywheel going. I think that's really cool. Absolutely. And by the way, we aspire to match the diversity of the country and also of, of the customers that, that startups serve. And I think that's, that's really important too. This isn't diversity for the sake of checking the box. This is diversity yeah. for the sake of building meaningful companies and finding yeah. those great companies and empowering them through capital. Yeah. I love it. Well, that's really cool. I think it's, it's, a noble pursuit, but also a pursuit that will probably make Sousa Ventures some amazing deals. Like you'll probably hire some really great people out of that, or the people who go through that will end up at another venture capital firm that you end up co-investing with or, or a late stage firm that leads around in a Sousa Ventures portfolio company. So I think there's probably economic impact and also like a societal benefit that you're creating. So kudos to you for building that. That's really cool. Yeah. I know those things are hard. So in addition to your normal day job, you're doing that, which is, which is pretty neat. It's a full team uh, effort. That's pretty good. Everyone's really energized by it. I love it. It's the, it's the Sousa family approach. Well, this has been amazing. You've already kind of told people where they could find you on the website. I don't know if, if you're, if, if uh, there's like a email box that people, if they want to pitch Sousa Ventures or how would they go? If someone has a deal or wants to show, show you the company they built, how do they get in touch? Best place to reach out would probably be on Twitter to one of our GPs. Wow. That's awesome. That's very progressive. <laughs> I love it. All right, Natalie, thank you so much for coming by. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and congratulations to a, all the entire career you've had and what you're building at Sousa and also this fellowship, especially sounds really cool. Thank you so much. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to cruise. 
Friends and Friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and Friends with your host, Scotty Old. Scotty.